for a long time. <laughs> I think the last time I preached was when I went on holiday, which was <clears throat> at the end of October. And then I helped with the Christmas thing, but preaching, I think it was October. And so <clears throat> if it carries on a bit long, just put your hands up and I'll tell you to put them down. Put them down. This morning, just yesterday, as Patty and I were talking, before I get to what I'm going to preach on, I said, babe, that's my wife, babe, uh, we need to be a people that are people of conviction and not people of convenience. We need to be those that are prepared to uh, go the extra mile, those that are prepared to lay their life down. Is this thing making a funny noise? Oh, okay. Shame he gets offended when I say this. Just I can't see his face, so it's okay. <laughs> so for me, in my life, I said to Patty, what is the most outstanding value that you know in my life? I said, yours is beauty, but mine isn't that. And so we went through a few things, and she said to me, I believe that to be resilient is what God has given you. So if you're taking notes, resilience, the definition of resilience is the ability to spring back or bounce back to the former shape or position, able to recover, to finish strong. Yo, I thought I was good at resilience, but this morning, Donovan, you're amazing. I've cried as we've gone through this thing. But you know what? I know that God is going to bring you out of it stronger than when you went into it. It's amazing. Donovan just shared his, a bit of his testimony before this whole operation thing was going to start. And then we actually went through it. I, well, I went through it with him. So I'm going to go through a few uh, points on how to be resilient. Okay, and I've, I've uh, backed it up with Scripture, so maybe you can put Matthew 7 and verse 24 up so long. And my first point is to be resilient, we should be able to face storms because we have a firm foundation. Even in storms, we need to live out God's instructions and not Satan's suggestions. I'm reading a book, it's called uh, The Purpose of Temptation. And uh, this guy says what happens is you come to a period of your life where God takes away His presence, not His om omniscient, oh, omniscience, but His pre where you can feel and experience Him. I don't know about you, but... I, uh, there have been times in my life when I've been able to feel God in an amazing way. I've been shivering, shaking, falling down. Not often falling down, but I have fallen down. And uh, just the manifest presence of God in your life. But God re takes that away for a season. And so you get the choice of either living 
according to God's instruction or living according to Satan's suggestions. And so you in that place, you get the opportunity to make the choice. Everyone says, yeah, but God doesn't tempt me. He says, in James it says, God does not tempt you with wrong. And so uh, we get the opportunity to make the decision. And we read, we read in this scripture, there's this guy <clears throat> where Jesus is speaking to him. He says, uh, a wise man is like someone who built his house on the rock. I'm going to paraphrase it. You can read it there. Uh, but when, and then there's another man who builds his house on the sand. You can look that up. But when the storm comes, the guy who's built his house on the rock, his house will stand. And the guy who's built his house on the sand, it will fall down. Do you, uh, you guys are probably not old enough when we used to sing, if you built your house on the sandy land. Did you read that? Did you sing that? I didn't either because I only got saved when I was 22. <laughs> I just heard my kids sing it. <laughs> um, but if we are, the thing that makes it your foundation is when you live it out. It's not just hearing the word. And you, you actually see this in immature Christians. They hear God's word and they think they've got it, but they don't live it out. And you can see it by the words that come out of their mouth and their actions. And so we need to, we need to evaluate ourselves. I try and do it once a year. Um, I don't go to parties on, I don't know if it's Old Year's Eve or New Year's Eve, on the eve. And I, I take that opportunity to look into my own life and say, Lord, where do I need to change and how can I change it with your help? Because you know what? You won't change without God's help. I want to tell you now, if you're trying, you won't. So for me, to be resilient, we need to love God, we to live out His instructions, and to love people. Because that's part of the deal, is to love God and love people. Those are the two commands that Jesus said we need to, we need to carry out. Second one, to be resilient, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, to be resilient, we cannot allow circumstances to pull us down. I could go to Donovan again. Hey guys, it's not even two weeks in this accent church. Most of us, if it rains a little bit, we are, oh no, I can't go to church. We're like uh, sugar-coated Christians. And winter's coming, so it rains often. I'm not going to use my examples because I think you guys all know them by now. It's actually not fair that you all know them. I can't use them. But can you imagine being hard-pressed on every side? Not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted. You know what? I, I, don't, I honestly don't think we've faced that yet. I don't think we've faced it. We may have had a little, eh, eh, but we haven't faced persecution but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Imagine being living like that. They took him outside the city and they stoned him and they actually thought he was dead. That's why they left him there. And they all went back in the city and when they'd all gone back in the city, he stood up. It's like a movie. 
threw all the rocks off. You know, he had a rock on his head and a rock on his shoulder. He threw them off. He said, I'm going back in that, to that city. My name is Batman. <laughs> but you know what? We cannot... So I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about how to be resilient. We cannot depend on our own strength. We can't. That is why God has put you in family. Because you know what? God doesn't come down and stand in front of you and pray for you and, uh, and love you and give you a meal. God doesn't do that. He gets people to do that. So we need to be those that are resilient. When I went through a serious bout of depression after this heart operation of mine, I was thinking the other day, it's actually nearly five years now. So the time has gone quickly. And the further I go, the happier I get because I know that depression is not coming back. The longer you go without it coming back, you know it's not coming back. And because... Oh, just a, by the way, I'm also bipolar, <laughs> just for a gift. Um, and I know when my cycles speed up, then I could be in trouble. But if I can work those things out over a period of time, they don't come unless something major happens. I hadn't had depression forever until I had this heart up. But the guys all told me it's normal to have depression after you have an operation like this. So for me as a bipolar, they, they flood your body with adrenaline to get the heart up and running, but that's no good for someone that struggles with depression because you go... So to be resilient, you cannot depend on your strength. You know what? Guys used to come around to my place and they only told me afterwards. They would come around and they'd come to talk to me and be with me and I would just sit there and look at them. And they'd talk and they'd talk. I don't know if, you've, if you have experienced this, but when you're talking to someone and they just don't talk, they just look at you. And they talk and you just look at them. So they didn't tell me at that time, but afterwards they said, hey, Roland, it was really difficult because you just looked at us. But that's how you feel when you're in that place. But you know what? Those guys coming lifted me. Every time they came, it lifted me. Eventually, got out of that thing. I remember the dates. From the 6th of April to the 6th of November, I was in depression. And when I say depression, I don't mean you're just a bit down. I mean you can't get out of your bed. You are finished. You cannot get out of your bed. You can't lift your head. When I don't want to watch sports on TV, then there's something wrong. Because I am the best spectator in the world. I get so involved. When I want to throw stuff at the ref. I want to tackle them if they're not on my side. Or kick them or cycle past them. I just really enjoy sport. It's from the armchair. I'm too old to do it now. I've, I've done that. I've done that. I've been there. I've done that. I've, I've been powerful. Now I'm old. 
I'm nearly old. My next birthday, I'm 60. So we, we, 1 Samuel 30 and verses 1 to 6. This is the story of David and his men. They come back from uh, having invaded Malachites. And when they get back, their ladies, their children, their everything have been attacked and taken away. Can you imagine that? Lord, I'm working for you, and when I get back, everything's gone. And if you read around that story, they actually wanted to stone him as well. The men were talking of stoning him. And that wasn't smoking weed either. That was stoning him. Beyond those moss yokes, don't laugh that much, eh? <laughs> you don't like to move your lips. Um, but you know what? That last sentence there I want us to pick up. If we want to be resilient. But David found strength in the Lord his God. I just said that you find strength from, from those that are in your family and they come to strengthen you. But you need to be those that can find your strength in the Lord. That was the only time I did speaking when I was in that place of depression. I prayed, I said, Lord, please take this thing from me. But I got to the place where it was, please take this thing from me to... Lord, please use this to impact on other people's lives. And when God got me there, I was starting to come out of it. We need to find strength in the Lord. It's a place of humility, guys. God gives grace to the humble. He opposes pride. C.S. Lewis, I think most of you have heard of him, saw pride as a vice of the utmost evil and the chief cause of misery in homes and nations. He called it spiritual cancer that eats up the very possibility of love, contentment, and even common sense. Have you come across someone that's full of pride? I'm sure every, there's nobody that hasn't. Have you looked in the mirror and seen pride? I tell you, in my life, one of the biggest problems I faced was in the area of pride. And so when you face that, you don't live under God's grace. God says, if you humble yourself, I'll lift you up. If you're in pride, he says, if you lift yourself up, I'll humble you. And so we need to live in that place. We need to overcome pride. I, I remember in my own life, we had planted a, or started a church in Nullsprate. We had grown wonderfully and quickly. And then we were asked to go up and take over a church in Benoni. So we went up to Benoni and we took over the church. And I thought to myself, yo, this church is going to explode because down in Nullsprate was next level. I was like, oof. But we didn't have our own venue or anything. Up in Benoni, we had our own venue. We had everything that you need to, needed. So I thought, this is going to really happen now. Boy, was I in trouble. The second day I was there, they cut the phone off. They hadn't paid the phone bill. And then as I found out what had happened, that church was bankrupt. But you know what? I still look back and think, hey, Lord, you were sorting me out. 
because he gave me the ability to turn that thing around. But it was hard work. When you're pastoring 200 people on your own, and the people don't know you, so they don't open up to you, it is very hard. That's when you're humbled. You say, hey, Lord, I'm sorry. I came here in pride. You've dealt with it, and I need to move on. To be resilient, we cannot conform because we must transform and renew daily. All know the scripture, Romans 12, 2. And you know what? The, if I look at you and you look at me, if I look and there is not significant change on a regular basis, I want to say daily, but there are days when we have the day off and we don't change and you know, we have a fight with the wife and fight with the husband, whatever the case may be. But there needs to be change in your life in an ongoing way. When you look back to yesterday, you need to think, whoa, I've actually moved along a bit. We need to renew our minds. One of the things I did as I struggled with bipolar was I spent a lot of time reading the Word of God. I didn't like it when people came to me and wanted to quote scriptures to me. I wanted to hear God on what he was saying to me. People that came, I just wanted them to be my friends. Just come and help me. Come and hold my, my hand. Come and walk with me. But when, as I read scripture, it actually starts to renew your mind. Because like they come with the scripture, Judas fell on his sword and his innards burst out. I think, hey, no, I don't need that scripture. <laughs> so, oh, I must go for a walk over here. There's people out here. <laughs> hi, guys. Hi, Danny. Vilma. Hey, Carl. You're just making sure that I know you yeah. eh? It's amazing. <clears throat> I believe firmly that up to about 150 people, you should know everyone's name. I know everyone's name, but I sometimes can't pronounce it right. The English names I find easier than the Afrikaans names. But yeah, we should know that person. Because how are you going to pray for them if you don't know them? How are you going to know where they are where they are struggling if you don't know them. For me, better than visiting is praying. Lord, help that person. Because you've seen them and you can see their countenance, you can see their face, you can, you can observe the way they, they hold their body. You know that person needs prayer. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. This is one of my favorite things. Because when you're in depression, you don't open the curtains. You want it to be dark so that you can sleep. Not that you do sleep, but you want to sleep. You, you don't want to sleep. You can't sleep at night, and then during the day, you just want to sleep. To be resilient... We must remember in the dark what we learnt in the light. 
You know what you're talking about. John 12 and verses 1 to 3, it says, Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, because darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. I often think of in the communist countries where, where they are persecuted spiritually, and so they will grab someone and stick them in jail. So while they're out here in fellowship and, and uh, living together and reading God's Word, they're in the light. But when they get grabbed, they're not allowed to bring a Bible with them, and they put them in the dark. That's what Jesus says. Remember in the dark what you've learned in the light. Remember. That's a physical illustration. It just works. For me, that means that the importance is to learn while you're in the light. Act while you're in the light. Learn to live as a, a born-again believer while you are in the light. So if you end up going into the dark, you will be able to continue doing what you learnt in the light. It also means don't learn the wrong things in the light. Don't learn to gossip in the light. Then when you go in the darkness, you're not going to be able to gossip and you're going to lose a whole chunk of your character don't don't have anger issues I think anger issues gossip there's a whole lot of them I think those things can actually put you in the dark because for me when when people say so what do you think hell is like for me it's like there's no God there's no father it's just black and dark and terrible. It's like when you switch the light on in the middle of the night and the cockroaches are... I think that's what it's like in our life. When we switch the light on, those things that are causing problems in your life, they run for cover. Jesus tells us we will face trouble. I actually laugh when normally when I do weddings, that scripture's there, I, I normally say, you know what? If you get married, you will have trouble. And I'm sure all of you can laugh at that because you have had trouble. Don't tell me you haven't had trouble. You say to guys, How's your, those that have got a good marriage, put your hand up. Yes, babe. It's been a long time going for 38 years this year. There's only one person more than us here. I won't look at them so you know who they are. <laughs> 38 years. I tell you what, the first five years were like, woo! This is a, this is a roller coaster ride. And then fortunately I had a friend that helped us pull through that thing. But you know what? We wouldn't have pulled through if we didn't have him. And so, as I said earlier, to be resilient, you need family. You need to live in family. Number six, to be resilient, 
We have to put our hope in the Lord. And hope is active, it's, and it's not passive. Isaiah 40 and verse 28, this scripture, Patty had it coming out of her ears when we started the church in Nelspruit. She would say to me, I'm so tired. I said, well, go and hope in the Lord. Go and wait on the Lord. She used to like, eventually she didn't tell me because I was just like, go and wait on the Lord. That, that hope and waiting is expecting, looking for, hoping. Sometimes we need to tell ourselves, just sit down, calm yourself, let's wait on the Lord. Sometimes you say, what's going to happen now? Just calm down, you can do it. I've been on such serious tranquilizers, I know that you can do it. Instead of going, I just... Ah, I'm fine now. I wouldn't have made it through without those things. Sorry, guys, don't leave the church because your pastor took tranquilizers. That was five years ago. And, and the one thing with the psychiatrist... Why? I'm preaching, not you. Wait on the Lord. No, I was... As I've, I've told them about the depression and anxiety and it was unbelievable but anyway when I used to come to church here no it's not here it was back in in Durbanville days to go to church I had to take one of those tablets you don't know what's going on you put your hands up when worship's not happening and you sit down <laughs> you do everything that doesn't count and your wife looks at you like oh What's going on with this egg? But I was telling them, babes, this was my favorite scripture for you when you used to tell me you were tired in Nelspray. I'd say, go wait on the Lord. Hope, hoping and waiting, that, that word, they use it differently in different translations. But what that word means is to entwine yourself around the Holy Spirit. But I can promise you the Holy Spirit's like a bougainvillea. Who knows what a bougainvillea is? It's got full of thorns and when you entwine yourself around it, all the things that need to go, get, get rid of that, get rid of that. Seven, to be resilient, you must be able to steady yourself. When things are just going wrong in your marriage, your parenting, your whatever. Isaiah 41 and verse 13, it says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Remind yourself that the Lord has you by the hand. Remind yourself. Close your eyes. Sit down or stand up, whichever is better for you, and remind yourself that the Lord has you by the hand. It's not easy when everything's going on around you. Like this COVID thing is not lacquer. I, I really trust we're going to get through this thing quicker, but maybe it's just false hope. But... Um, 
it's really difficult to, to lead a church because there are people, there are quite a few people that uh, say, oh, no, I'm just going to watch Josh Jen live. Guys, that's not the same as coming to church. Or, that's not the same as coming here. We are the church. And we need to interact with one another. I don't know about you, I, I get so chuffed when I see you, Oaks, even with a mask on. Some of you, I was going to really be naughty. <laughs> Some of you I really miss when I can't see your face, like Tim. But guys, we need to steady ourselves. Guys lose their jobs. Egan was telling me he lost his job. Where is he? Out there. Egan lost his job. Over December, he wasn't employed. He thought, what am I going to do now? Now he's been employed and he's earning twice as what he was earning before. God can do those things. God does those things. Uh, not, I'm not a prosperity person, but you know what? I do believe that God wants us to provide for our families and have enough to help others. Yo, what time did worship stop? I've got a whole lot of other points here, but I, I just feel that we need to stop here. I wonder if we could all just stand together. There were so many of those songs this morning, Lindy, that were along these lines. Um, I just thought it was, it really was wonderful. And I watched TV and I watched this and they, all of them just kept saying, you need to be resilient. You need to be resilient. And I thought, hey, this is what we need. We need to be resilient. So guys, if you find yourself in a place of being squashed down, if you find yourself in a place of being fearful, if you find yourself in a place where you are not comfortable, we need to be able to bounce back. We need to be able to, to recover from where we find ourselves. I think there are many of you that are under pressure at work because, yeah, it's nice to work from home, but the expectation of the people you're working for is a whole lot higher. Because they think, oh, you're at home, you can work 24-7 now. So Lord, we, we come to you this morning. And the first thing is we cannot be resilient if uh, we have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ. We cannot be. I tried to be before I gave my life to the Lord. I, I couldn't be. I became more and more desperate to, to find a way out of what was going on in my life. And I had to bounce back a few times. My older brother drowned in his bath. My dad died in a car accident when I was 20. My mom eventually drank herself to death as an alcoholic. And I had to keep bouncing back. 
keep coming back. We face things. We need to turn to the Lord and turn to our friends. And we need to come back. And we can only do that if we surrender our life to Jesus. If there's anyone like that, I wonder if you could just pop your hand up. We'd love to pray with you. Then I want to pray for us as a congregation, a, a family and God. Lord, I thank you for every single person here. Those outside, those inside, those wherever they are, those that are overseeing the children this morning, all the children, Lord. We are so blessed to have a venue where we can accommodate uh, children and adults and places outside. We thank you for this venue, Lord. We thank you that you've given us the opportunity to bounce back, Lord. And this morning I pray for every single person here that's trusting you for bounce back. My son says to me when he's going to go home, he says, hey, Dad, I'm going to bounce now. I don't, I don't know if I'm crying because I love him so much or so that he can hurry up and go so I can play with the children. <laughs> so Lord, I pray for that, that inner strength that comes from you, not from us. I pray for those friends and family that we surround ourselves with. I pray, Lord, that you would make us a resilient people. Those that can show in their lifestyle, in their words, that they have bounced back in spite of the place we find ourselves at the moment, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. I also ask you, Lord, to protect everyone here, Lord. Those that are not here, protect them, Lord. Provide for them, Lord. Fill them with the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord. So, Lord, we're going to speak about the fact when we go to work, when we sit at home, we're going to speak about the fact that we are resilient. Not because we're heroes, but because you are heroes. So, thank you, Lord. Lord, we also just pray over those two church plants that are going to be happening, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that Josh Jen is growing, Lord. That uh, where there's death in the world, there's life in Josh Jen, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for Andrew and MC, Lord. We pray for MC and her, her uh, kidneys. Is it kidneys? Yeah. Guys, please pray for MC when you get the chance. She's got under 10% use of her, of her kidney. She could be going on to dialysis three times a week in the near future. They are trusting for a transplant, but so pray for that, that somehow that would come to pass. We love you, Lord. And we love each other in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.